Hey Min Lee disappeared on January 13, 1999. Six weeks later, her body was found. Her ex-boyfriend, Adnan Saeed, is arrested, charged with, and later convicted of killing her. Because of a dirty cop, a dirty prosecutor, a lying friend, and a defense lawyer who was disbarred for willingly throwing cases in order to make more money on the appeals. And thanks to all of these people and more, Adnan has spent 21 years in prison for a murder that he did not commit. Rabia Chaudhry has spent the last 21 years doing everything that she can to get this man out of prison. Rabia is the sister of Adnan's best friend. She has always felt like Adnan was a little brother to her. And she's a lawyer, although be it not a criminal lawyer, she just felt like she could not sit by and watch this happen and not at least try to help. Now, the day that Hay disappeared, she had told one of her friends before leaving that after school, she was going to pick up her little cousin from school and then immediately go to see her boyfriend Don at the mall. Don was Hay's current boyfriend when she went missing. He was never investigated. He was supposed to have, according to him, been at work and, according to him, did not get home until 7 o'clock that night. But when the cops tried to call him, there was no answer. And they're unable to get a hold of him until like 1.30 that morning. So, where was he during all of that time? Why is there no records of him trying to call his girlfriend? Trying to find his girlfriend? We don't know. He's never given an explanation for that. He was supposed to have been at work, and the only thing that the cops did to verify that was call the store, speak to the manager, and the manager said, yes, he was at work. Well, it turns out that his manager was his mother, who could have and probably would have easily lied for him. Now, months later, when they finally got the timesheets from Lens Crafters, where Don supposedly was at work that day, it was blatantly obvious that the timesheets had been altered to make it look like he was at work when he, in fact, was not. I mean, Hay told her friend herself that she was going to the mall to meet her boyfriend, Don, after school. Okay, but Don was never investigated. Uh, shortly after, and by shortly, I mean within a few days, from the time that Hay went missing... Other employees at that same store said they noticed all kinds of scratches on the backs of Don's hands and up onto his arms. But when they asked him about it, all he said was, oh, well, he injured himself working on his car. Now, current day, Don says that he's been disabled since he was 23. Okay, he went missing when he was 22, and then suddenly at 23, he's now disabled. Uh, and he says that he's not expected to live to see 50. And he says he doesn't have time to worry about whether or not anyone believes his alibi. What alibi? He has no alibi. He lied. So there is no alibi for Don. When Adnan was taken in for questioning, after being questioned for a while, the cops slide the paper over across to him that has the charges on it. 
and the charges read murder in the first degree, death penalty. And he realizes how serious this is. I mean, the kid is 17 years old, and he thinks, oh, this is just a mistake. I'll be let go. Okay, then he sees the paper, and he's like, oh, crap, this just got real. And he says to the cops, I want a lawyer. Now, meanwhile, in this, in this time frame, uh, Chris Lord is a lawyer. He is Adnan's lawyer. Adnan's family hired him to handle the bail proceedings. He shows up at the police station, and the way it's set up, you have to speak through an intercom before they let you in. So, uh, in speaking through the intercom, he tells them, uh, I'm here to represent Adnan. I understand you have him in custody. I would like all questioning to stop immediately. And they proceed to tell his lawyer, uh, well, he hasn't asked for you. And he said, uh, he doesn't know I exist. His family hired me. I'm representing him. And the guy has the balls to tell him. Well, you know, according to the Supreme Court, uh, we don't have to allow him access to you unless he asks for access to you. So Adnan's own lawyer couldn't get in to see him because they, the cops wouldn't let him in, even though Adnan had already asked for a lawyer. Adnan's lawyer for the trial was Christina Gutierrez. Christina Gutierrez, after this case was over, was later disbarred for purposely throwing cases in order to make more money on the appeals and ripping off clients by demanding money from them in cash for things like witnesses and, I mean, expert witnesses, which she never got. She never got the expert witnesses that she had her clients pay for. She was ripping off her clients and throwing cases on purpose and was found out and disbarred. Now, this was Adnan's lawyer for the trial. While she's representing Adnan, he tells her, listen, I got a letter, I got a couple of letters from a girl who says that she was with me, that she saw me that day and talked to me. So Christina tells Adnan, well, let me see the letters and, you know, I'll check into it. Then she later tells Adnan, oh, I checked into it and it, it was uh, a mistake. She got her dates mixed up. Okay, well, it is later found out that that girl, whose name is Asia McLean, was never contacted by Christina Gutierrez. She was never contacted by anybody. She herself said in the letters to Adnan, she saw Adnan in the library January 13th, the same day that Hay went missing. And as a matter of fact, she sat down next to him and talked to him. And they talked for several minutes. The thing is, they were talking in the library at the exact same moment that the cops and the prosecution are saying that Hay was killed. Okay, so you have an alibi witness. And not only do you have the one alibi witness, Asia's boyfriend was coming to get her at the library. Okay, that's why she was at the library in the first place. She was just passing time until her boyfriend showed up to get her. Okay. Her boyfriend shows up, and he's got a friend with him. And the boyfriend, all these people being teenagers, mind you, acts like a teenage boyfriend would act by saying things like, Hey, who is that guy? Why are you talking to him? 
Okay, so now you have Asia and her boyfriend and his friend that all saw Adnan Saeed in the library at the exact same moment that the cops and the prosecution are saying that Hay was killed. But Adnan's attorney never contacted Asia. She never even tried to contact Asia McLean. So, Adnan actually has an alibi. He has three. At least three people saw him in the library that day. But nobody talked to him. Nobody asked him. So, that in itself is ineffectiveness of counsel. Okay, but now, in coming years, when Adnan fights for, you know, a new trial, they will say, this judge which I consider a dirty judge, says uh, it was probably a mistake on her part not to contact Asia, but it's not ineffectiveness of counsel because Asia McLean's testimony wouldn't have made a difference in the outcome of the trial. How the fuck would it not have made a difference in the outcome of the trial to have three witnesses, three alibis, Three people saw him there that day. That would have made all the difference in the world. That would have cleared him right there. So, the judge is an idiot. Now, one of the main things that the prosecution used to convict Adnan was cell phone records. Okay, well, there's a small problem with that. Now, the expert witness that testified for the prosecution said that the information was accurate on where the phone was and where the calls happened. Now, the problem with that is this. The expert wasn't given all the information, and neither was the defense. The prosecution willingly withheld information from the defense, and that is the cover sheet that came with the phone records. And the cover sheet plainly states, outgoing calls only can be used to verify where a phone was at when the call was made. Incoming calls cannot be used to accurately place where the phone was at. Well, guess what? The prosecution's entire case is built around cell phone records and all the calls that they used to place him where they said he was, was incoming phone calls. Which means every call they used to place him where they think he was, was wrong information. Because the records plainly state incoming calls cannot be used to accurately place a phone. Now, the expert did not know this, and neither did the defense. Now, in later years, when the expert was told about this, To start with, he didn't say anything, but he contacts the prosecution to ask, uh, what is the deal with this? Uh, I didn't see this information. Uh, Is there anything, you know, that I need to do? And Yurik, which is the prosecutor in the case at the time, Yurik tells him, stay out of it. Mind your own business. If you keep interfering, bad things can happen. Okay, he just threatened one of his own expert witnesses. So, can you honestly say nothing is going on? Why the hell would he threaten a witness just to get them to keep their mouth shut unless something is going on? So, the expert witness writes out an affidavit. 
letting the courts know that had he been given the information in the, in the first place, it would have changed his testimony. So basically what he's saying is his testimony was wrong and he was not given all the information he needed to make an accurate decision in his testifying. Now, Rabia has been working on this case from almost from the beginning. And when Adnan is convicted, she goes to see him in jail and talks to him. And she's like, listen, if you could just, you know, account for your time, that seems to be what their case is pinned on. This, this bit of time right here, when they say Hay was killed. And he said, well, I don't know. I can't remember a lot, but I know a girl contacted me and saw, said that she saw me and talked to me that day around that time. So Robbie is like, what girl? Where is she? Do you have the letters? So he gives her the letters and she starts checking it out. She contacts Robbia. Robbia writes out an affidavit because, and this is when it's found out, yes, she did write those letters. Yes, she did see Adnan in the library that day. And no, Christina Gutierrez never contacted her, never even attempted to contact her, and that she had been reaching out trying to contact Christina Gutierrez. So Asia willingly sits down, writes out an affidavit stating those facts that yes, she did see Adnan in the library. Yes, it was that time, and no, Christina never tried to contact her. During one of the appeal attempts several years later, a private investigator is hired to find Asia so that she can come and testify at the trial, at the appeal. Well, Asia doesn't talk to him, and it kind of spooks her that somebody found her which you can understand because she doesn't know who this is or why he was hired or why they're trying to find her. So she figures if anything new is going on with the case, the prosecutor will probably know about it. So she calls the prosecutor, Yurik. And Yurik tells her, oh, you don't need to get involved. It's fine. The conviction was sound. We have DNA evidence. We have an eyewitness. So he convinces her not to get involved. Now at the appeal, Asia doesn't show up. (laughs) But Yurik shows up, and he testifies under oath. And what he testifies to is this. He says Asia McLean contacted him because she was being asked questions about an affidavit she wrote during the original trial, and that she only wrote it because the family pressured her into writing it. Okay, that's a bald-faced lie. And Asia McLean herself has said that's a bald-faced lie. So Yurik lied First, to Asia, because they had no DNA evidence. And second, to the court, because he lied about what Asia said to him. Now, he has lied under oath in court, and nothing happened to him because of it. He was never in trouble, faced any disciplinary action for this, nothing. Okay, He has threatened a witness to stay out of it, or, or bad things will happen. And nothing happened to him because of that. When Adnan finally wins an appeal and is given the opportunity to a new trial, it ends up not mattering because the prosecution fights against it and causes him to lose it. So he gets no new trial because, and this is where the dirty judge comes in, because the judge says that Asia McLean would not have made a difference had she testified. Okay, but... The prosecution also wins on the fact that apparently back during the original trial, 
when Christina Gutierrez was Adnan's lawyer, he had signed a waiver waiving his rights to have the cell phone evidence re-examined. And the prosecution knew that. And that's why they fought against the new trial. Because they said they never had the right to introduce the phone evidence because he had waived his right to have it re-examined. Okay, so apparently they don't give a shit. An innocent man has been in prison for 21 years now, and they're still fighting to keep him there. Threatening witnesses, lying about witnesses, and just making flat-out wrong decisions when it comes to what would have and would not have made a difference in his trial. They don't give a shit that an innocent man has spent 21 years in prison. Okay, when they told Asia, when Yurik told Asia, that they had DNA evidence, that was a lie. Okay? Uh, they never had DNA evidence connecting Adnan to anything. And the eyewitness that they say they had, his name was Jay Wilds. Okay, and this is the one witness that they built their entire case around. He changes his story six or seven different times from then until now, and he still keeps changing it. And originally he tells the cops, nope, don't know anything about it. Okay, then he tells the cops, yeah, Adnan killed his girlfriend. He told me he was going to do it. And buried her in Lincoln Park. Now, when he originally tells the story, he says, no, I did not help him dig the hole. But in court, under oath... He says, yes, I helped him dig the hole to bury the body. Okay, now, uh, originally, he said Adnan gave him his car, loaned him his car, and his cell phone. Because he was going to go kill Hay, and he was going to call him from a payphone. And that's the reason Adnan supposedly gave his own cell phone to Jay, so that he could just call his own cell phone. Because Jay had it, and that way he could get a hold of Jay. I'm a killer, and then I'm going to call you to come get me. Okay. Now, in one of the stories that Jay tells, he says he gets the phone call and he goes to pick up Adnan in Best Buy parking lot where he pops the trunk of Hay's car open to show Jay the body in the trunk. Now, he later changes his story to he was at the pool hall just hanging out shooting pool when Adnan showed up in Hay's car, tells him, come outside, you got to see this pops the trunk in front of the pool hall in broad daylight with everybody able to see, and there is the body in the trunk. And he tells Jay, uh, you gotta help me get rid of the body, or the same thing is gonna happen to your girlfriend, Stephanie. Okay, now, hang on. Uh, he changes his story again and says, nope, Adnan showed up at my house in Hay's car. Gets me to come outside and shows me he pops the trunk and shows me the body in the trunk. And then he asks me to get him 10 pounds of weed, which I do. And then he threatens to turn me into the cops over the 10 pounds of weed if I don't help him get rid of the body. Okay. Now, I believe his most recent story is that the whole thing was a lie. And the only reason he told it was because the cops fed him the story. That none of it was true. Okay. Well, as many times as he's lied already, it's hard to believe anything he says. However... That one may have an inkling of truth to it. Why? Because one of the lead cops, one of the lead detectives in the case is Detective McGillivary. Okay, he has been in trouble because he has been involved in at least three different cases 
where the convictions were overturned later because it was found out that Detective McGillivary threatened to arrest witnesses in order to get them to lie. Okay, he threatened to have some of them arrested for illegal narcotics. Basically, if you don't say what I want you to say so that I can close this case and get a conviction, I'm going to lie on you and have you arrested for illegal drugs and your ass is going to jail. Okay, and in another case, he threatened a witness with, I'm going to have your kids took away unless you say what I want you to say so I can close my case and get a conviction. Okay, he has been in trouble multiple times, but not real trouble. Nothing has ever happened to him. He was still allowed to be a detective. He was still allowed to be a cop, even though it was found out that he had threatened witnesses to make them lie for him. Now, there is taped interviews that the cops have with Jay. Now, if you listen to these interviews, you can actually hear them guiding him in his story so that he tells it the way they want him to tell it, which is what makes Jay's last story seem like it might have an inkling of truth to it. And if you listen closely in one of the interviews, while Jay is stammering and stuttering and trying to remember the story he's trying to tell, you actually hear the cops do this. The tapping is them tapping on the map showing him where he's supposed to be saying he went. Okay, they're literally guiding him in the story that they've made up so that he tells it the way they want him to tell it so that it matches the phone records. Problem is, he had to change his story a few different times because they got, the cops got the cell phone records wrong. Okay, they get him to come in they get him to tell a story according to what they think the cell phone records say. Okay, but it turns out there was a typo <laughs> on the cell phone records they were using. On the actual cell phone records, it was different. So they had to get Jay to come back in and tell a completely different story about where they were and what they were doing in order to get it to match the accurate information on the cell phone records. Okay, which turns out not to be so accurate after all, because it's all based on incoming calls. So in one story, they're going by the records that has a typo on it. Then they get him to come back in and change his story because they have a copy of the records that does not have a typo on it. So they literally had to get him to change his story in order to follow the cell phone records. Okay, this is complete and utter bullshit. Now, when Hay's body was found, there is some question about the person who found the body. His name was Alonzo Sellers. Okay, he says that he stopped and walked out into the woods to pee. And that's when he found Hay's body and called the police to report it. Okay, on Hay's body, there is an imprint. It's double diamond. Okay, this is caused by lividity. Okay, wherever a body is and however it's positioned, someone dies. Wherever it's laying for the next several hours, the blood will pull to that side of the body. So if you're laying on your face, all the blood is going to pull to the front of your body. If you're laying on your back, all the blood will pull down to the back side of your body. Okay, well, on the front of Hay's shoulder, there is a double diamond shape. 
There was nothing in the trunk of Hay's car where they keep saying her body was. It has a double diamond on it. However, Mr. Sellers worked in concrete. Concrete shoes have a double diamond on the bottom of them. Okay, so why was there a double diamond on her body? Which kind of makes you think, well, wait a minute. Alonzo Sellers worked in concrete for years and years and years. Concrete shoes have a double diamond on them, on the bottom of them. Okay, so how did that imprint get on her body? Well, it wasn't in the car. There was nothing in the trunk of the car that had a double diamond shape on it. And the guy that found the body worked in concrete. So that looks a little suspicious. So at this point, Adnan Saeed has spent 21 years in prison for a crime that he did not commit. And yes, that's my honest opinion. Because you have a lawyer that was disbarred for throwing cases and and ripping off clients. You have a judge that thinks an alibi witness would not have made a difference in the outcome of the trial. You have a cop that has threatened witnesses multiple times to make them lie in order to close cases. You have a prosecutor who has lied under oath about the alibi witness. You have at least three suspects that were never investigated. Okay, because you have Jay has lied multiple times. You have Don, who was never investigated, who was the current boyfriend and cannot account for his time at the time of her disappearance. And then you have Alonzo Sellers, who is the guy that found the body, and the body has the double diamond shape, and Alonzo Sellers worked in concrete, which has the shoes with the double diamond shape on the bottom. Okay, you have fingerprints in the car. They do not match Adnan, they do not match Jay, and they do not match Hay. So who was driving the car that left the fingerprints? Those prints have never been tested against anybody else. Not against Alonzo Sellers, not against Don, not against anybody. Any DNA that was found and tested at the moment or currently, at the moment of, you know, the discovery of the crime, or even now, current day, none of it that's been tested has matched Adnan. None of it. So, what the fuck is going on behind the scenes that makes them want to keep an innocent man in prison so bad that they will lie under oath, use false testimony, force witnesses to lie, and threaten expert witnesses to stay out of it or bad things will happen? This is complete and utter bullshit. Adnan should not be in jail. He should never have spent one day in jail. Okay, Adnan's story, when asked, is that on the day that Hay went missing, he was at school. He had a free class, so uh, he had given Stephanie, that would be Jay's girlfriend, her birthday present, and she was so tickled over the present and so excited And she mentioned to him that she could not wait to see what Jay got her for her birthday. Adnan starts thinking, oh God, what if he didn't get anything? It's really going to hurt her if he didn't get her a present. Okay, well, Stephanie's his friend and he don't want her to be hurt. So, during his free period, he goes to Jay's house. 
and asked him, did you get her something for her birthday? And, he, and Jay says no. So he loans Jay his car. He tells Jay, listen, you can borrow my car to go to the mall and get her a present. He said, I'll leave you my cell phone, and when I'm done with track practice, you can come pick me up. I'll call you on my cell phone after I'm done and I'm ready to be picked up. Okay, this is why Jay had his car. This is why Jay had his cell phone. Okay, he was in the library after school. We have three witnesses that says so. And then he went to track practice. Okay, it, it does not take a genius to figure this out. And why so many people are so set on keeping an innocent man in jail, I have no freaking idea. It is insane. And it is a complete and total fuck-up on the part of the state, on the part of the lawyers, on the part of the cops, on the part of the judges. I mean, oh my God. How far are these people willing to go to keep an innocent man in jail? Somebody somewhere needs to do something to get Adnan Saeed out of jail. The fact that he spent even one moment in jail is complete and utter bullshit. An innocent man lost what could have been and probably should have been a wonderful life. He spent it in prison. Meanwhile, you have an innocent girl who was murdered and her murderer is still walking free. All due to dirty judges, dirty lawyers, dirty cops, lying witnesses. Oh my God. Somebody needs to do something to get Adnan out of jail. And everybody that has lied in this case needs to face disciplinary action. The lawyers should no longer be lawyers. The judges should no longer be judges. The cops should no longer be cops. It's complete bullshit. Whoever killed Hey Min Lee needs to be punished. And in my honest opinion, that person was not Adnan Saeed. Look at the evidence. Look at the facts. And it will show you beyond any shadow of a doubt that the killer was not Adnan.